It's Tuesday at 8pm and you're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and you're very welcome to this week's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and coming up on the programme tonight, we're putting the spotlight on Food Awards. First up, we're going to hear from Fallon Moore, Administration and Events Coordinator at the Blossnerin Irish Food Awards. And Kate Ryan, Secretary of the Irish Food Writers Guild, has details about all the winners of this year's IFWG Awards. But before we hear from our guests this evening, may I take this opportunity to remind you about how you can make contact with me here at the best possible taste. You can drop me an email, Sharon at SharonNoonan.com, or you can tweet me at Queen of Org, as in Queen of Organisation. And I'm also on Instagram at Sharon J. Noonan. So many of you know I'm a great advocate for the Blossnerin Irish Food Awards and every year they open for entries on St Patrick's Day and I had a chat with Fallon Moore a few weeks ago to find out more. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Fallon, great to have you on Zoom today. Here we are, another year for Blossnerin. What, what year is it now? It's our 15th year. Oh my God, I can't believe it's 15 years. I know it both seems to have flown by and it also feels like it's always been a part of life. (laughs) But we're really, yeah, 15 years, it'll be a great year to be back in person now as well. Well, let's go back to year one when Artie started it up and just remind everybody why he decided to initiate the Blossnare and the Irish Food Awards. I suppose for Artie, he was looking at it from... The point of view of a producer, he was seeing that as a producer to get an accreditation for his product, he was looking at competitions which were based overseas and there wasn't an Irish competition which was solely for projects made here in Ireland. So that's where he was really kind of passionate about starting something. Um, The time of year came because he was one of the original you know, founders with the Dingle Food Festival and they were looking to have something take place over that weekend as well. So it kind of, the seeds came from a couple of different places, but always with the intention of celebrating Irish food. And I remember Artie saying once that, you know, an Irish solution to an Irish problem is just, you know, get up and do something about it, which is exactly what he did. And 15 years ago, there were how many categories compared to now? There were 36 categories at the time and there's 150 categories now. Just even 36 seems like such a large number. But whenever you say over 150 now, it's it's, you know, it's five times the size now. I suppose it reflects what is happening in Irish food and we've seen some really interesting categories come through I mean even I think this will be the third year for hot sauce which is an interesting one because we've seen judges who are very accepting now of heat in food and it reflects I think our own palate and also what's happening here in in Ireland because one of the winners last year was the the smoky lemon hot sauce from Ellie's Kitchen. And, you know, it's reflecting those who are living here in Ireland, the new cultures and flavours that are coming in and being absorbed as part of 
the food that is on our tables now. So it's interesting to see those areas develop. And a category like that, I think, is a real reflection of kind of the expansion of Irish food. And also then things like um, plant-based food, there wouldn't have been a category for that 15 years ago. No, there wouldn't. And we would see in terms of those would always be entered in under the, the vegetarian and vegan areas now on the categories. And what we've seen is the quality of particularly ready meals and prepared foods in the past couple of years we've seen salads and sauces and I think from people being at home working at home and spending more time at home over the past couple of years people are expecting a little bit more and so producers are upping their game there we've seen um, butchers in particular actually really develop their range of at-home meals so with each small producer and independent producer who's doing that, they're going to drive on the quality across the board for producers who've been involved in that area. And interesting then, you talk about producers and then you're saying about butchers and there's also hoteliers that have maybe done rubs, for example, and chutneys. So the entries are very diverse from who they come from. So to enter a product, what is the criteria? So to enter a product, it has to be made here in Ireland, on the island of Ireland. So in any one of the 32 counties, the core ingredient where it can be Irish must be Irish. So, I mean, we know that there are people who are roasting coffee here in Ireland, but that core ingredient isn't going to be here. But we do expect for any of the ingredients which we can source. So that's quite a strict rule for the entries. And. Beyond that, what people need to do is get their entry in online. This time of year, it's to fill out a form online. And the next stage then is tasting, which for us is a it's a mammoth task that takes place all throughout the summer. But we would have people. It's interesting. We'd have producers say to us, and how do we know if we'll be selected for tasting? What? Of course, you're going to. Everything has to be tasted. We said, oh, we thought there'd be a pre-selection. But I mean, how could we know what's really good without it being tasted by the judges? So it really is just as simple as that, that people have to fill in their form online and the next stage is deliver it for us to, to arrange to have tasted with the judges. And then let's talk about the judges and the diversity of the judges, not just in terms of gender balance, but also their background. So it's not somebody that has that polished palette, um, although there are people with very experienced palettes there, but there's, you know, home cooks, chefs. Mm -hmm. Just tell us about the different profiles of the of the people that judge for you. So exactly as you say, it does have to come from a really varied background. Um, judges would be representative of those in academia. We work with UCC. There are partners in developing the judging system. So there are always academics who would work with us, um, particularly if it's a sensory tasting. But in addition to that, there would be chefs, writers, those who work in industry, although never producers who would be involved in the awards independent buyers would come and judge as well and home cooks so it's it's designed to be representative of everyone who is tasting that food everyone who's involved in the process for a product to go on and become successful and get to the table in households all across the country and that's why home cooks are so 
important as judges because and I would say although I don't judge but I would say I'm a home cook and we are the ones who are choosing what's going into the basket what we're putting on the table for family or for friends and that's what really should be representative of whether something is a gold silver or bronze because that's the person at the end of the day who's going to enjoy it. And it's important to highlight that it's blind tasting as in they don't see the packaging they don't see who made it, where it came from. It's served on the plate or in the cup exactly as per the instructions on the packet. It is exactly as the producer has told us to serve it. We'll prepare it. So if it's something as simple as a jam that, you know, doesn't really have instructions, that will just be presented in a in a plain cup just with the entry number. If it's something that needs to be cooked or heated or prepared, then our team, and it's a team of chefs that we would work with, they'll work exactly to the instructions, which is, it's important feedback sometimes that producers would get because sometimes their instructions maybe aren't ideal. Um, In fact, a lot of our mentors, that's what they would feedback to producers would be, check your instructions, make sure it's correct, because we have to present to a judge exactly how the customer at home will taste it so we have to follow exactly as they have been instructed to prepare it it's very interesting that you say that because i had a discussion with somebody recently about recipes and cookbooks and and why are some cookbooks more successful than others and one in particular that we were talking about they were saying well it's because the recipes work And of course, people just assume when they buy a cookbook that the recipes do work. So if somebody makes a recipe, me, for example, if I make a recipe out of that and it doesn't turn out particularly nice, I would blame myself for that. I wouldn't necessarily blame the recipe. And unfortunately, there are lots of people out there that they aren't intuitive cooks. So when they're told to put something in the oven for X number of minutes, they might they might not check it to see, well, maybe my oven's a bit hotter. There's a bit of a variation there. So it's a really important point for new and upcoming food producers to bear that in mind and to make sure that they get people in their circle to test the products and test the instructions in different ovens and different settings, just to to make sure that that's not where their product is let down. Absolutely. And the thing is, It's to get not just testing in your own kitchen, get other people to test it in their kitchen, even to test storage, because we've seen producers who maybe the delivery for judging with us is the first time that it has been transported or the first time it's gone further than the farmer's market. And sometimes they might discover at that stage that their packaging isn't where it needs to be to protect it. Um, because that is the only way the packaging comes in for us. We're not looking at design, marketing, branding. It's the bare minimum of what packaging should be doing, which is protecting the product. And sometimes producers have found that when they go to send it, that there is something within their packaging or their storage which doesn't work. Um, And producers have, there was, it came up actually for one producer who was delivering to us And thankfully, we were able to to phone them and get a new sample. But additionally, they had just launched an online shop. So they were only starting to send their product out to customers. And we were thankfully able to say, look, this didn't arrive to us as it should have. And we can't cook this for tasting. So 
it was just fortunately for them at the right time that for their customers, they could revise that whole process. But it is something that, you know, needs to be tested. And a huge benefit of entering Blossnaren is all this additional support. And you've mentioned mentoring there. And you've mentioned that the marketing side of the packaging, for example, isn't something that they're judged on. However, there is support and feedback there for those different elements for the, the producers to enter through the backyard of Bloss. And that's something that you're doing online at the moment. But you'll also offer various sessions in Dingle in October. So tell us about the backyard and, and what it means to producers and how they can benefit from it. Of course, well, the backyard was born out of seeing how when producers got a chance to talk to each other, that they were solving problems that, you know, on their own maybe felt like a bigger problem or it was taking too much time to try and figure it out. So we were watching to see how producers could benefit from talking to each other, from hearing from the people who engage with us as judges or who come down as buyers on the weekend of the awards and who are happy to share that experience. And maybe a little bit of advice from them will really help the person who has their head down in production and is trying to find a solution to something. So we have, thankfully, actually, through COVID, found a way that works both in person and online. So we had previously just been doing in-person sessions. We had been working with Bank of Ireland actually on the weekend of the awards to support a whole venue that had panels running all weekend. And then taking those, those events on the road throughout the year. And we were about a year into those when everybody had to start being from home. And Taste for Success came in and said, well, look, we can help you with the online training. And we switched those to online. And producers have now come back to us to say they've really enjoyed the online sessions. So we will continue to deliver those online like we are at the moment. And then in advance of the awards in October, our finalists all have access without any charge to online sessions. But then again, they will have them in person. So it's going to be a lovely mix this year of them both, depending on the topics and you know which will work better in each format. But they have to be there to develop a way for producers to learn and to gain extra knowledge. And one thing we had seen was producers would come down on the weekend of the awards and have a huge opportunity put in front of them. We were seeing buyers offer them, you know, a chance to be listed or, you know, huge opportunities being put in front of them, but maybe they weren't ready for it. And maybe they needed to get a little bit of advice from. And we felt a responsibility at that stage because we didn't set out for the awards to be something which would have a risk for a producer. And we were seeing, you know, a producer say, oh, that's great. I've got a contract now. They want to offer me a contract to go nationwide. And at the moment, that person's just doing a couple of shops locally. So we wanted to arm producers with the information to be able to make informed decisions on the opportunities that came up for them so it's actually become something which is a really important part of what we do throughout the year and people will be delighted to hear that you are extremely optimistic that you will have an in-person awards this year in Dingle in October the end of September the start of October yeah we are we're very optimistic about it and we're hopeful that we'll have everybody back together 
we plan to have a mix of some of the online elements that have worked really well over the past two years and to hold on to some of that while bringing back some of what we've really missed which is getting to getting to see everybody and producers getting to congratulate each other on the street when they're walking around with their awards so we'll we're excited to bring back a mix of the two and really now the networking side of things is just so important that in-person face-to-face conversations not just with potential customers but just with other fellow artisan producers Mm, it is people really I mean that benefit of just getting to see everyone whether it's through friendships that people have formed or we've had people bump into someone and discover that they've got a new delivery route because a customer that they couldn't take advantage of because they were two hours drive for just one delivery and another producer say but sure I can take that so it's simple things that really people do miss out on in person yeah, it can definitely generate lots of opportunities for collaboration. Mm-hmm, exactly. And then the media side of things is very important as well, because often you, you have a number of Ireland's top food journalists there as part of the programme of events. And if, for example, the producer's champion a few years ago was where John and Sally McKenna. Absolutely. And it's an opportunity. I know that the guests who come down over the weekend tell us that they find a huge benefit because they're getting to see the best producers all in one place over two or three days so for them it's kind of a real dip into particularly for new producers or where someone has changed what they're doing and for the producers who are down with us then it's a really informal opportunity to be in front of someone who might be able to make a massive difference to to your business and to the success of that business because it being as part of the festival weekend our events are not formal they're not in any way corporate it kind of breaks down those barriers it makes it easier for somebody to just you know walk up and say hello and really kind of engage in a way that's a little bit more meaningful than if it was in a more formal or corporate setting. And I would always urge food producers as well before they go to do a bit of work beforehand and to to maybe connect with various different people on social media so that they can hook up with them. And of course, you and all your team are there. If people do need introductions to people, that's what we're all very happy to facilitate that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's great for people to be able to to meet everyone. You always got fantastic advice on it and I don't think you ever um tolerate someone wanting to be shy about it you're saying put yourself out there tell them you're here (laughs) and actually that was echoing in our minds lately when we were planning out what will happen this year and one of the things we were saying is we will be encouraging people to have a kind of a check-in on who's here who wants to meet up because it's a small it's a small town and it's a busy period but where you really you could get a chance to catch up with everyone so yeah your advice on getting people to connect was echoing there I've notes for September (laughs) getting people to check in delighted to hear it well I suppose just to finish up then Fallon if anybody has a, a fantastic product out there and they want to enter it this year where is the best place for them to go to get more information and to to click that button to enter it 
So straight to our website, which is irishfoodawards.com. That's where the most up-to-date information will be, the categories for this year, delivery dates and the online entry form. We also try to be quite active as much as we can on social media. So on Twitter and on Instagram, both at Blast and Heron, we're usually pretty quick there at answering any questions. Sometimes people have a quick question about category or how to take part. So always get in touch. And we're a small team. So it's Artie and I who are in the office full time. So if people do have questions, they can send us an email to info at irishfoodawards.com as well. And you always open every year on St. Patrick's Day for entries. And then the closing date this year is in May. It is. So it's on the 20th of May. You'll be gone on your holidays after then, Fallon. Yes, actually. (laughs) That is when I take a break. But also we move into the logistics of trying to plan the deliveries. So at that stage, we're looking at what days we're going to have heavy deliveries, how many samples need to be tasted. So We will be online on the deadline days up until midnight to help everybody get those answers through. But after that, we have to move on. No excuses now. So um, from the 17th of of March up until May, and there's there's usually an early bird fee. There is. So we'd always encourage people to use the early bird discount. So from the 17th of March till the 8th of April, the early bird rate is 65 euros, whereas our full rate is 80 euros exfat. So that first kind of three weeks is a great time to get entries in. Well, listen, best of luck to everybody that does decide to enter this year and continued success to you, Artie, and all the team there, Fallon. Thanks a million, Sharon. Thanks for having me. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break, Fallon Moore of the Irish Food Awards, Bloss Nairn, shared details not only about how to enter this year's awards, but also the great benefits of entering. But if you missed that because you're just tuning in now, you can catch The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am and the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. Now we're staying with the awards theme thanks to our next guest this evening, Kate Ryan, Secretary of the Irish Food Writers Guild, who has details about the winners of their annual awards. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Kate, you're so welcome to The Best Possible Taste. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. And we're going to talk about the Irish Food Writers Guild annual awards. But before we get on to that, would you just tell everybody, in case there's a few people listening and they're not sure what exactly the Irish Food Writers Guild is? Absolutely. So I suppose I'm talking to you today, uh, Sharon, in my capacity as secretary of the Guild. Uh, Our chairperson is Caroline Hennessy, who people might uh, follow online as Bibliocook. Um, So I joined the Guild um, a few years ago uh, and last year then I was elected to become secretary. Um, So, yeah, the Irish Food Writers Guild um, was originally, I suppose, founded by a group of 12 freelance food writers, all female, uh, coincidentally, by the way, um, and included uh, some great um, legacy names in Irish food ra- writing. Uh, Georgina Campbell, who is currently our president, is uh, was one of the founding 12 ladies. 
um, and she's been our president since I think about 2013-14. Uh, but we also have sort of past founding members who uh, people no longer with us, sadly, such as Biddy White Lennon and Theodora Fitzgibbon. So kind of real titans of Irish food writing. Uh, but many, many of the food founding members uh, of the Food Guild um, are still around today. So I suppose our, our, our tagline of uh, the Irish Food Writers Guild is a voice for better eating. And... Uh, for us, this speaks to sort of the original ethos of those founding 12 members to promote the high professional standards of knowledge and practice among writers about food, nutrition, food history, and also related matters that kind of fall out of that to, to assist in the formulation of links and networks amongst all of those involved in, in the food industry in Ireland. Um, so, you know, our founding members uh, saw the formation of the Guild um, as an opportunity really to pool their collective knowledge, um, experience and ideas. And to be honest, this was vital for them at the time because they were freelance food writers. And to be honest, you know, uh, fast forward 29 years into the future, not much has really changed. You know, uh, the vast majority of our membership, of which we're nearly 80 strong now, um, are all freelance food writers, including myself. So, you know, it is a competitive field. We are, you know, we are, um, we do compete against each other, I suppose, for food writing gigs as freelancers, but there is strength and unity in the Guild. Um, and as a Guild, then we can support each other, support our members uh, in our respective careers. Um, and then also offer an invaluable network, really, for those looking for advice and guidance so we can all sort of get on and do what we do best. Um, and really, one of the other kind of really key things for the Guild is around education. It's a real key facet for all of us. And I think anybody who's really passionate about food writing is also passionate about food education as well. And many of our members are active uh, in looking to sort of influence policy on nutrition and food education, for example. Um, most people will be aware of sort of the, the activism, I suppose, by one of our members, Darina Allen, in that kind of field. So, um, the, the, the Guild stands for a lot of a lot of things, really, but it, the, it, the core of it all is for us all to eat better. Which is great advice and is even more pertinent in the world that we live in now. And as part of the, the Guild's campaigns and initiatives, the awards is a very special thing that you do every year. And just tell us about why they started the awards, when they started them and what their objectives are. Okay, so uh, the Guild was first founded in uh, 1990, I believe, um, and the first awards were uh, took place in 1993. So actually next year, 2023, will be our 30th anniversary of our Food Writers Award. So it's going to be a very exciting year for us. Um, and I think what's really important to say is that since that very first awards took place in 93, it's been an unbroken chain of award seasons for us. Um, whereas like a, a lot of other food award bodies actually stopped um, during the two years of the pandemic that we're still kind of coming out of, we decided to adapt how we did what we did with our awards to the pandemic to ensure that uh, in 2021 and 2022, our awards would still go ahead. And I think when we kind of look back in hindsight to kind of see how important it was for food businesses, food producers to survive at those last two years and the way that they pivoted too, we kind of felt a really strong um, connection to their efforts and really wanted to kind of ch continue championing food producers in what 
was undoubtedly two of probably their most difficult years in business. So um, one of the things we kind of did, I suppose, uh, as a way to pivot over the last few years is uh, normally we would have an award ceremony and obviously that was off the rec off the cards. So we did, we wanted some other way that we could uh, showcase our amazing winners. Um, so we created a, a, an e-zine, an electronic magazine for both years. And what we decided to do uh, as well, just to kind of really sort of up the ante a bit more, was to utilize a lot of the skills already within the membership of the guild. So a lot of our members wrote the citations in the e-zine um, and uh, we used uh, photographers and editing skills as well that were in the, the e-zine, uh, as well as kind of teaming up with our usual uh, sort of photographer, Paul Sherwood and our communications through um, uh, Grayling and Rachel Sherry. Uh, to kind of create this incredible easing that had beautiful photography, wonderful evocative citations written by our members about these amazing producers that we have on the island of Ireland. Uh, and I suppose the reason why the, the awards were, were really started in the beginning, all the way back in 1993, and it's what we still stick to now as our guiding principle, is to celebrate the indigenous Irish food producers of the highest quality as well as to recognise some of the individual companies and initiatives which continue to make the Irish food story such an exciting one and really kind of ties in with our, our overall principle about being a, uh, the Guild being a voice for better eating. So we, we're really clear that the awards showcase the incredible Irish larder on this island and that those who either uphold traditionality or innovate to create something new and exciting that reflects the dynamism of the Irish food scene that's really important to us. But obviously as well, like not every ingredient of every food item that's produced here in Ireland comes from within our borders. Uh, and we have to recognize that too. And um, I can remember in 2020, um, we gave a, a food award to um, Exploding Tree, which is a bean bar chocolate maker down in West Cork in my hometown of Clonakilty. Um, and obviously we can't grow chocolate in Ireland, um, but one of the things we did, one of our awards categories is, is the environmental award. So we recognise Alison Roberts, who's the, the, co the founder of Exploding Tree, her commitment to uh, a number of environmental and sustainable ways of, of working and producing, as well as say her commitment to only using exclusively fair trade cocoa beans. So that's kind of, the award started in 93, you know, it is about recognizing the very best of Irish food um, that is produced on this uh, on this island, and that isn't to kind of say that you know it's it's always going to be about potatoes and butter. You know, there are other kind of like foods that we celebrate as well, but it does very much. Our awards do speak to the craft of food making in Ireland. And these are very special awards, and they're very coveted awards because you can't enter them. You guys, right. as a guild, you select the winners. So I presume in normal times, you maybe sit down around a table and have a discussion about it. Um, in the last two years, you've maybe done it by Zoom. So just talk us through the judging process and how somebody finds themselves on that winning list completely unbeknownst to them that they were <laughs> ever in the running for it. And this is the great thing. I, I just want to preamble what I'm about to say by saying as the secretary, it's sort of my duty to, to contact our award winners 
and tell them that they've won an award. And it's such an amazing experience because, like you say, Sharon, they have no idea. It's not on their radar at all. It's, it's done very, very confidentially. Um, and we do that specifically so we can uphold the integrity of our awards. So, um, yeah, so the nomination and the award proce awarding process, the whole thing is done um, within the membership itself. Um, and we do that specifically, I suppose, to uphold the, the high standards of uh, standards of uh, integrity and scrutiny that we, we give to ourselves. So no one from outside the Guild, as you rightly say, can nominate themselves for an award. All nominations are made by existing members of the Irish Food Writers Guild alone and alone. That's it. Nobody else can influence that. So um, once a year, the committee of the Guild, we make a call on our members for nominations for, for that coming year's awards. And when they close, the committee meets, first of all, to consider all the nominations against uh, judging criteria to ensure that they're eligible. So not even all the nominees that we receive and may actually go through to voting. So, you know, it is quite a um, rigorous process that the people go through. Um, and then when the membership come together after, then each product is tasted and then the nominator states their case, which is always good fun, you know, because there's a bit of a soapbox moment for the nominator. And it's quite surprising how passionate we, we get about, you know, our particular cause. Um, you know, because we do, we are nominating these these products, these people, these companies and initiatives for a reason. And we are passionate about that. So uh, it does get quite heated sometimes, but it's all in good dust. Uh, and then after that, each member casts their votes in confidence, in order of preference, and votes are then counted using proportional representation. So, you know, it is almost like an election, really. And, and that's how we ensure our fairness and transparency. Um, obviously, as you rightly pointed out, the last couple of years, we haven't been able to meet in person. So, you know, but every we are very adaptable as a guild. So what we've basically decided to do instead of in lieu of a group tasting, uh, we made a slight tweak to the criteria for the past few years so that products that were nominated were either available nationwide or, you know, after so many businesses pivoted to trading online, that the products could be purchased online and available with nationwide delivery. And then members, our members were encouraged to go out and seek the products that got through to the shortlist. Uh, try them themselves at home and only if they had actually sampled the products then could they vote on them in, in the general thing so you know it was uh, we do uphold a, a great deal of scrutiny uh, to it um, we do want um, our awards to be considered full of integrity really you know and beyond reproach um, and I think then that when we announce the awards to our winners I think that's why it kind of means so much because it is the one you can buy your way into um, you know, and it is from within the membership and we only we have a tough choice to kind of decide who we want to put forward, really, you know, because there's so many great products out there. Um, yeah. So that's kind of how we've uh, sort of pivoted over the last kind of couple of years. But we are obviously hoping that when it comes to our 2023 awards, that we'll be back to be able to do a group tasting in person with our fellow members, which would be fantastic. I think it's really interesting what you said there, Kate, about the products being widely available or available online, because this is such a great PR opportunity for the winners. 
And sometimes if the product isn't widely available, it can really be a lost opportunity. So I think you're to be commended for having that as one of the, the criteria now. And of course, we're all delighted to hear that the awards will be back in person next year. And you said before, about it'll be the 30th year. So it'll be even, I would say, more glitzy and more glamorous than it has been in the past. So let's go through the winners of the 2022 awards. So if we start, first of all, there's eight different awards, but the first three are all food awards. Talk us through each of the winners in those categories. So we do have three food awards, um, although we, we recognise other categories as well, and we'll talk about those in a second. So Red 41 in Dublin, uh, Owen Klusky is the founder of Red 41. Uh, they're an innovative bakery uh, they set up in a, I suppose a, a part of Dublin that um, maybe wasn't you know visited too often um, and the, his whole kind of ethos is around um, you know the sourdough breads uh, the daily bread as well and making really good bread accessible I mean that's kind of really the key of what he is doing there so they have a bread lab there and they're doing all sorts of kind of you know great R&D I suppose around bread which is such a staple of our diets every single day and I think um, the reason why we really wanted to commend what Owen is doing is because yes bread is all around us it's ubiquitous but so much of it is actually not very good for us at all and bread should be life-sustaining it should be delicious and it should be good for us. Our second food award went to Calvis Ackle Mountain Lamb based up in Mayo and that's a family business that exclusively graze their lamb on salt marshes near the coastline on wild forage and this kind of lends itself this unique flavor this kind of saline herbaceous kind of flavor to the to the meat but one of the things we kind of really um, wanted to shout about with Calvis Ackle Mountain Lamb is the fact that it's not just lamb as we know it they also offer older cuts so mutton and hogget and what we kind of really liked about this then was these are old cuts of meat traditional cuts of meat that would have been more prevalent in the Irish diet maybe even only a couple of generations ago and really kind of fell out of fashion and I suppose when we're talking about traditionality and sustainability this is where we're kind of going with you know that it's not all about the sweet spring lamb but that lambs at different ages uh, create different types of flavors, different cuts of meats that are equally enjoyable. You know, it's just that we've lost our connection to them. It's a traditional company, but they're selling online. You know, they pivoted during the pandemic. They've done really, really well. Our final food award then was Poolfin Cheese from Calmore Farmhouse Cheese in Galway. And the cheesemaker here is Theresa Roach. So Coolfin Cheese is uh, an alpine style cheese. So it's only made at certain times of the year, basically made with sort of spring milk. It's sweeter. It's got a nuttier kind of flavor to it. What I love about this, this product and this particular food award for Teresa is that it just goes to show that we have some great cheese, cheesemongers and cheesemakers in this, in this country, but there is still ample opportunity for different expressions of, of terroir in Ireland when it comes to cheese. And maybe that seasonality maybe that's location this is an alpine cheese which gives you some idea of the kind of terrain that the animals are grazing on from which she makes her her uh, milk uh, and then makes her cheese and as well the fact that it's only available at certain times of the year you know um, it's not a year round made cheese so 
the animals have a, a different type of lifestyle, I suppose, you know, so it's much slower. And of course, it makes complete sense that with a product like cheese, it will taste differently at different times of the year, depending on when the milk was there and whether or not mm. they were outside grazing or inside and what they're they're being fed, etc. Mm. And that award went to, to a company in Galway and the next two awards were staying with Galway. <laughs> Galway did exceptionally well this year. So the first of our, uh, or the second rather, of our Galway winners is the recipient of the Irish Drink Award, all about kombucha, uh, based in Galway. This is Keith Loftus and Emmett Kerrigan, based in Galway, two very young um, entrepreneurs um, who basically fell in love with kombucha, which is a fermented tea drink. So it's a really kind of novel play, I suppose, on the Irish love of, of tea, you know. Uh, kombucha's fermented black tea, um, and then they add uh, different flavors to it. So raspberry is probably, I think, their most popular kombucha brand. But the award goes to their complete range of all about kombucha flavors. So this is a really young duo of, you know, really keen um, new generation food entrepreneurs. They've just literally set up a brand new distillery in, in Galway, which is going to increase their capacity, which just only speaks to their increasing popularity for their products. And this is craft, you know, you brew kombucha the same as they, well, not exactly the same way, but in the same manner that you would think about brewing beer, uh, crafting flavors, um, you know, so this is a really exciting new drink product on the market in, in Ireland, but also as well, we really love the fact that, you know, we are a nation of tea drinkers and this is just a new refreshing way to drink tea here in Ireland. Um, our next uh, Galway Award, then our third one, is uh, for an award we refer to as our Notable Contribu Contribution to Irish Food Award. And this went to Stefan Griesbach of uh, Gannett Fishmongers in Galway. And I love the story behind this. So Stefan started out basically running a fish market in Galway. Um, and has proceeded to a much larger facility, although he still does do the Galway market as well, um, where he's using sort of day catch uh, fish, huge variety of fresh fish available. But what he is doing is marks him out particularly from other uh, fishmongers. First of all, is his online offering makes fish more accessible this is a, a, a paradox I've always kind of like uh, tried to get my head around in Ireland is that we are a, an island nation surrounded by some of the most bounteous ocean waters in the, in the world really and yet we're, you know there's not not only do we not eat too much fish but access to fresh fish is really difficult so what Stefan is doing through uh, Eat More Fish which is the website that he operates through he is saying, look, we've got all this amazing fish that's literally just come off the boat. Um, we've got uh, different kinds of variety species of fish. A lot of them are kind of not um, sustainably sensitive, you know, which is kind of the key to sustainable fishing is to eat a, wide, a much wider range of fish species, I suppose. But then on top of that, then he will deliver it to your door, spanking fresh, sometimes literally jumping out of the box fresh. Um, and I'm talking from experience <laughs> when I say that. Um, it's quite the surprise, but a nice surprise still. Um, so, you know, it's, it's spanking fresh fish, 
prepped to perfection, delivered nationwide from Galway on next day delivery. And then on top of that, then he's telling you how to prep it, how to cook it, what it goes well with, all the recipes online. So it's like this perfect whole package, you know, for people that really want to eat more fish, um, but are maybe a little bit scared about fish because how do we cook it? You know, we've kind of fallen out with, um, you know, uh, the knowledge, I suppose, on how to cook fish well. And a lot of people are scared about it. So he's given us all the tools, all the information we could possibly need uh, in an ethical, sustainable way. Um, and, you know, I think that was kind of a lot. We really admired his pivots during the pandemic, but also it was the fact that, you know, he's operating across species, multiple species, uh, and that kind of really sort of spoke to us on the sustainability side of things as well. And it was great that he was, as you say, making it as easy as possible for the, the customer to buy and, and to serve it up and to cook it and everything. And the sustainability side of things is obviously very important. And that leads us on nicely to the Environmental Award, which was won by Rock Farm in Slane, where I actually had the pleasure of visiting just a few weeks ago with a group from West Limerick. So just tell the, the listeners tonight about Rock Farm in Slane. Okay, so Rock Farm in Slane, they're based in Meath, and they, as you might kind of note from the name Slane, they are on the Slane estate. Um, so the farm is owned by the Coiningham family. Um, uh, Karina Mount Charles is sort of the, the recipient, if you like, for Rock Farm Slane, Slane of this award. Um, and what we really loved about this is there's multiple facets to what Rock Farm Slane do. They are a food producer. Um, they have a, a 90 acre farm where they're sustainably um, and environmentally uh, producing crops, organic cattle, pigs, hens, turkeys, vegetables. They uh, operate a farmer's market there. They operate um, a veg box scheme um, and they're running the entire farm to permaculture principles, which, you know, um, is one of probably the most environmentally secure um, ways that you could operate a farm. You know, it's basically one of those where it's a closed loop system. And when you're growing, you're not always just simply taking out of the soil, you're kind of putting back in and maybe adding to it as well. So it's a really self-sustainable kind of farming practice. Um, but on top of that as well, they've kind of really tapped into the food tourism side of uh of their business to complement what they're doing on the farm. So they're offering luxury eco glamping on site um, and gives people, you know, people that visit the farm, a really unique opportunity to experience the food and the landscape and the culture of the Boyne Valley region, which is so vast and lush and green and super productive. Um, you know, so it's just this kind of beautifully holistic, uh business that kind of combines the the primary function of food production along with food tourism and then it's that food education piece i think that sits in the middle that links the two together that really kind of spoke to us um you know and they really do uh believe in what they're doing they're believing in the principles of what they're doing uh, as far as you know they they're concerned this is a, a legacy business you know this is something that they're setting up for future generations of their family 
and for the benefit of the state and the local uh, economy as well. So, you know, it's a very worthy ward and I think it's a, a really good example of how, um, you know, an environmental business can be can be a business pragmatically, but also uh, speak to like the wider concerns of, of uh, food production in Ireland. Yes, definitely well worth a visit if anybody finds themselves in that neck of the woods. And then the, the second last award, Kate, the Community Food Award went to Our Table in Dublin. Mm. So Our Table um, was headed up originally founded by Ellie Kisiombe, um, who received this award on behalf of Our Table, which is a collective, really, I suppose. Um, what Our Table do is in a really positive way, um, stand up against the direct provision system in Ireland. So um, as people may or may not know, when uh, people are in the direct provision system, um, a lot of the things that kind of give us as human beings our sense of autonomy is taken away. So your ability to work, but also your ability to cook food. And I think, you know, there's a lot of talk in, in Irish food, you know, what is Irish food? What is Irish food culture? Well, you could take those two questions and you could apply them to any uh, nationality of people all the way around the world. Food and the culture that surrounds food is, is part of our identity. And when you're not allowed to express that, you know, that's fundamental um, to how we feel we people sit in the world and how we exist in the world, but also how we communicate to other people. So our table is a collective that sort of said, well, you know, we need to share our food cultures. You know, it's one of the great ways where we can have a discussion about who we are, where we come from, what we believe in, um, but also sort of how we can start to assimilate into a new culture, such as Irish culture as well, for people coming from outside of the country. So that's what our table uh, did essentially was basically get people around the table to share plates of food from different food cultures and different nationalities but it was in response to um, the dehumanizing conditions I suppose of direct provision in Ireland uh, but did it in a very very positive and uplifting way. Um, Ellie was a founder of our table she's since um, become uh, an Irish citizen. She set up her own um, condiment business as well. You know, this is an example of, you know, the, the benefit that uh, immigration can, can bring to Ireland uh, and our table just does it beautifully. So, and it is a community food initiative um, and is replicated around the country as well, not just in Dublin, although it, it has its origins in Dublin. So Ellie is a very worthy winner. Um, our table is a very worthy winner. And we're delighted to be able to kind of uh, showcase our table as a positive voice for good. Absolutely fantastic. And then finally, the Lifetime Achievement Award went to the fabulous Sally Barnes down in Cork. Tell us about Sally. Well, she is fabulous. I think we can all agree on that. So uh, Sally is the uh, business owner of Woodcock Smokery. She uh, is the only person in Ireland that exclusively works with wild fish. And I think this is without doubt what marks her out. Sally has been smoking wild fish in a tiny little smokehouse in a windblown hilltop just outside Skibbereen in West Cork for nearly 40 years longer probably at this stage 
Um, she taught herself how to smoke fish using uh, some mackerel, a tea towel and an old tea chest turned upside down. And from that, then she mastered the art of cold smoking um, and also um, now exclusively with wild fish. Um, and that includes salmon. Uh, and that is what Sally is most well known for, is her, her, her uh, wild smoked salmon. But she also does smoke mackerel, pollock, you know, uh, tuna. Her, her smoked tuna is incredible. But she's just a real artisan. And when you talk to Sally about the mighty salmon, she doesn't talk about it as though it's just another fish. She talks about it as if it is a... a another human being almost you know that it has by the time the fish comes to her and is in her hands you know she can look at a fish and she can tell the story of its life you know uh, the, the wild salmon goes through this cycle of smaltification where it goes from freshwater uh, saltwater to freshwater fish for spawning which is where it's caught in freshwater you know, and it's that kind of process and that journey, this epic journey that the salmon undertakes uh, is writ large on its body, you know, and she can read this, you know, in her hands, she can understand the journey of the fish and she prepares each fish individually to what it needs after its journey, you know. So she really is uh, an embodiment of the term craft when it comes to food, you know, it's not mass produced. It is as individual as a fingerprint, every single piece of fish that she fillets and smokes and takes care to preserve um, and you know she is the last of her kind in Ireland very sadly um, and she established the keep there in 2020 which is a, a workshop space really and it's adjacent and on the grounds of the smokery and she's kind of worked she set that up with an apprentice of hers called Max Jones who he's been working with Sally for a couple of years now and of course in true Westcourt style he came over for three months and hasn't left so <laughs> uh, which happens to us all um, so she set up the mass the keep with Max James as a way to kind of share this knowledge you know um, that you know the hands are getting tired now and she wants to kind of inspire a new generation of people to do what she she does uh, to understand fish in the way she does to understand the ecology of our oceans and our river systems the way she does and how that obviously impacts on the on on food on the food that we eat, you know, and our connection to the food and to the environment that it it, it is uh, produced in. So, you know, in terms when we talk about lifetime achievement, you know, I think everything that Sally is and everything that Sally does is entirely worthy of this award. But all inspiring lady, uh, such a legacy to to pass on to everybody, and well worthy of our lifetime achievement award for sure. Well, congratulations to all of the winners, Kate. If people would like to find out more about each of the winners this year and indeed the previous winners, the best place for them to go to is the website. Yeah, and the, the website is uh, www.irishfoodwritersguild.ie. And in there, when you go onto the website, you will see a whole section on our winners uh, from this year, but also all of the winners since 1993. Fantastic, Kate. Thanks so much for telling us all about this year's winners tonight. No problem. Thanks for inviting me to chat about them, Sharon. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM.
Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break I was talking to Kate Ryan about the Irish Food Writers Guild Annual Awards and earlier on in the show Fallon Moore shared details about entering this year's Blossomeran Irish Food Awards. If you're just tuning in now and you missed any of that, you can catch The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am and the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. And that brings us to the end of the programme tonight. Before we go, a quick shout out for Limerick Springfest, which is on tomorrow, Wednesday the 6th of April, or today if you're listening to the show repeat on Wednesday morning. And that's on from 1 o'clock until 6 o'clock. And there's lots happening up at the Barna Greenway Hub. Food stalls, cookery demonstrations, children's entertainment and lots more. Entry is free, so do pop up and support the inaugural event. And that's all we have time for tonight. Thanks for listening and to my guests, Fallon Moore and Kate Ryan. Until next time, bon appétit. Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book, or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit.